another episode of the Walking Towards Fear podcast. And today, our guest with us is Amanda Burton. Amanda, welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) I'm excited for you to be here. And before we just kicked off, Amanda was like, "Is, is this video or just audio? Meanwhile, we're both like, we're, we just, you guys get to listen to the audio and we get to see each other, but I felt honored that you got dressed for me today. <laughs> I'm honored that I'm dressed for myself today as well. That doesn't always happen. <laughs> that is a perfect response, especially in the world of entrepreneurship. So you guys will learn that Amanda is an entrepreneur herself. It can be very easy to kind of, you know, squirrel yourself away in your own home office and be like, when's the last time I put on a pair of jeans? <laughs> yep. <laughs> but With that, I had connected with Amanda back in early 2023 through a a networking group that we were both part of local to Boston here, and we just kind of connected. I mean, she has a really cool story of how she's lived her life, and I try to have people on to have conversations around, you know, non-traditional kind of choices and career paths and ways of thinking and being, which I feel like, you know, you really well kind of exemplify and spotlight. Um, So I could share a bit of your story but I actually want to just turn that over to you and say, what feels like, how do you want to set the stage for who you are and where you are in this moment in time? Sure. Well, I guess I'll say, yes, I have a very windy path to get to how I've gotten to where I am today. And I could look back and say, you know, I could have gotten here faster if I'd taken a straighter path. Uh, but I actually don't think I would be where I am and or who I am if I had take that taken that straighter path. Um, and my journey really actually is because I thought I was supposed to take a straight path. Mm-hmm. And I get kept getting pulled off of that straight path, which I am very grateful, <laughs> grateful for. Um, you know, I started off uh, life, but just, well, say career, right? Um, I went to high school. I Then I went to college because that's what you do. Yeah. I graduated from my, um, you know, my undergrad um, college experience and wanted to continue on to uh, a master's PhD. Um, but I guess that might have been one of my first sort of decision points that started me on a path of of the windy path. Um, But it was also something where uh, I was following what I thought I should do as well. And so instead of going on for that higher degree, I decided I really needed work experience first um, because that would make me a a better person to go for that higher degree. Um, and so I went into the work work, working force to the corporate world. Right. And so following that normal path of college, then work, then getting on that corporate ladder and trying to move up the corporate ladder, pleasing my boss, (laughs) um, you know, obtaining more, more knowledge to get better at what I was doing, um, and working harder and harder and thinking that that was the way that I just needed to go. And I was making pretty good money, which I was proud of um, as, you know, and, and wanted to continue making that money. Uh, and 
I never went back for that higher degree. Instead, I continued working harder mm-hmm. <laughs> and longer and scrambling to continue to climb up the, the corporate ladder, which ended up just burning me out. And um, to the point where I just... I, Physically, I wasn't feeling well. Mentally, I wasn't feeling well. And at that point, not really realizing that that was sort of an indication that I was do I was there was a misalignment between who I was and what I was doing. And that sort of that gap was being caused by what I thought I should be doing, as opposed to what my soul <laughs> told me I uh, wanted to do and, and should be doing in order to live my my best life and to my fullest potential and my life purpose. Um, and then that kind of is what put me on this windy path of really diving into um, who I was, what I wanted to do, why I was here on this earth. Um, And that's, and, and that, and so the last 10 years of my life have really been on that quest, um, which um, has landed me where I am now of feeling like I'm being who closer to who I should be (laughs) or what not should be, but who I want to be um, and what I was put here to do. Um, and it's still an evolution. It's still a windy path. Um, huh. And we talk more about, about that windy path, but, and I know that's what we're here to talk about, but that sort of sets the stage for, I started off in that traditional way, right? And then it's that, that moment of sort of breaking all the way down and realizing, okay, you got to face that fear in order to, to, um, to really create the life that you want to create. So amazing. To, to set that it was actually interesting is when you kept talking, you said a few times you painted that picture, right? Of the corporate ladder. We all yeah. know what ladders look like. Some of us have an idea of what corporate America looks like, even if we've never been in it. But my mind just said, it feels more of a corporate cargo net. <laughs> like it feels like this big obstacle where like, you're kind of throwing yourself at it. Like, mm-hmm. how do I just make myself stay on this thing? And yeah. that's what I was feeling as you were sharing that. You know, there was so much there that we could dissect to even get going, but you were talking about this, you know, should thinking versus this soul feeling um, Mm -hmm. and seeing the difference there. So for like a very baseline, what was it that you did in corporate and what are you doing or following now? Perfect question, because I didn't explain any of that, did I? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So in corporate, so I, I am, um, I, I'm young, but I am much older. <laughs> and sometimes I, well, if I look at my my actual age, I'm much older than I feel. However, I graduated uh, dur- from college uh, during the dot-com boom. So um, that makes me sort of feel old to say that. However, so I graduated uh, and when, and in that, that period of time, you know, I was, I was a math major. I had computer science in my, in my, uh, in my resume as well from, from college. Um, and so, but no matter what you were, what you graduate, what degree you graduated with at that time, everybody went into, um, into tech. 
Um, and so I joined, started working in kind of that startup startup world at that point, it was the dot-coms, right? As opposed to the startups per se, was what the terminology was. And um, I was a software developer. Um, and so it was really sort of following the crowd, right? Mm -hmm. Into what do you do after college during the dot-com boom? Um, I, you know, even though as that bubble burst um, and a lot of my friends got, um, you know, they got laid off, they lost their jobs, there was a lot of fear and uncertainty and doubt. Um, I had, I had forged away enough to, I, I never was one of those people who got laid off or, um, you know, walked into or would walk to work that that morning, right? And the doors locked and there was no company to go into. Um, somehow I, I made it through all of that and never felt any of the uh, effects of that. Um, that's probably neither here nor there, <laughs> other than some, somehow I did something kind of right. Um, and then um, stayed in software development for many years and then realized that I wasn't, it just was changing so fast that I didn't know for sure if I wanted to stay on the software development side and kind of was pulled um, rather than making an intentional decision about it. I sort of found my way more onto a management side of things, building teams, um, moving more even into the strategic um, roles of how to build and mature a company to grow and scale and, you know, take that journey from small little startup through, um, through a series of fundraises and, um, and IPOs or acquisition and that kind of thing. Um, and so that's, that's how, that's where I came from and grew up in. And that's where I got burned out was in trying to do that. Um, and um, have built built my my career through that, and that's where I got a lot of my leadership type of uh, of experience, and really stepped into my leadership of identity through that, and had many adventures along the way, which helped in that um, regard. And at the beginning of this year, I actually stepped away from working for someone in that role, um, working for a partic one particular company. Um, helping them grow and scale and, and take that journey um, through to um, IPO or acquisition, whatever exit that they wanted. So I don't work for a company anymore. I'm building my own company uh, focused on um, uh, building leaders, developing and connecting leaders um, to um, you know, to serve, to serve humanity, really, it's a mi mindful leadership is what I, what I um, have sort of teach and, and want to develop in people. Um, and really with that, that idea of serving humanity, um, to be more positive, purposeful, and also build profitable teams or companies. Um, and so I'm forging my, my way and building my own company doing that at this point, based upon my experience. Um, throughout the corporate world. Which is amazing. I, I I love leadership. Like I find it to be so fascinating because mm -hmm. it is a skill that can be learned that you know you've developed that skill yourself. Now you help other people to develop that. Yeah. Uh, so actually out of curiosity, because I want to 
bring this in a direction that I just, I know part of your story too. And it's just <laughs> what caught my attention, right? Initially, but at the height of your corporate career, what did that title look like for you? And what was the next step from that, you know, top ring of the ladder? Yep. Yep. Right. So I went from, as I said, from the beginning of just being a software developer to being uh, kind of that, that team lead of software developers to being, um, you know, building out quality assurance teams and, and then just sort of moving up and around in different roles. What I ended up, what, where I um, landed um, about seven years ago was in a chief of staff role where uh, I actually um, had no idea what a chief of staff was seven years ago when I was asked to become a chief of staff by our new, by the new um, chief operating officer who'd come into the startup that I was working at. Um, and he basically said to me, you know, Amanda, you could go get your MBA, go to business school um, and, you know, intellectually learn things, or you could come work for me for 18 months and graduate with more experience and knowledge um, of how to run a company um, by just doing it and being my being beside me and helping me do it. Um, so I was like, oh, that sounds fabulous. So let's go. So um, essentially, I filled the, the chief of staff role with him, learned a lot about the company, and then was then actually took on that role um, in another startup to help um, really being kind of that COO light, we'll say, right, where you're responsible for um, all of the operational pieces of the organization um, and really connecting the dots between the operational and the strategic um, pieces and um, kind of being that advisor, coach, um, and uh, people development person, right, within the organization at all levels, um, especially with the, the um, executive and senior leadership team. Which is amazing talking to someone who is, you know, chief of staff, had this opportunity and was like, I don't even know what they do, right? And easily that you could have let that kind of toss you off the path mm -hmm. because because I don't know, therefore I shouldn't do it. And for you to kind of, you know, essentially take that risk and say, all right, let's learn as we go. Drop me yeah. in the deep end with cinder blocks on my feet. I'm ready. Yeah. Um, what yeah. sort of emotion were you kind of experiencing if I brought you back to that moment in time yeah. of- Oh, am I going to take this position? Am I going to do this? Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's very scary, and it, and you know, to be honest, I think that's been a bit of a theme in my last ten, maybe my whole life, but specifically in the last 10, 12 years, right? Is I just charge through the fear. I don't even think I realize I'm fearful. Um, you know, I know I analyze the situation and look at pros and cons. And then all of a sudden I'm just like, okay, let's just do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm always up for an adventure. I'm always wanting to learn. Um, and it's probably a perfect segue to take you 
um, back to that moment in actually, I think it was in 2011. And this is where we first connected, I think, when I told you about this in 2011, when I was completely burned out. And I talked about that where I was just, I was like, I, I don't think this is what I should be doing. I was in, you know, a, a startup working, helping them build out um, their professional services group, right? And was working like a dog, playing all bases, selling hot dogs, everything, <laughs> everything, and was completely burned out and was just like, you know, back when I was, you know, saying I would, you know, I wanted to go back to school and then I was going to teach and I was going to teach math to children. And so I just started dreaming of going back to teaching as opposed to this burned out, unhappy, unhealthy <laughs> sort of situation I felt that I was in. Um, and I got this. And so I started researching and looking and just learning a lot more about Montessori education. And I was fascinated. Um, and completely out of the blue, probably only a couple, like maybe, maybe four or five months after I started um, researching this Montessori and started reading books about Montessori and all about Maria Montessori, um, someone, a friend of a friend, uh, reached out and said, hey, we're looking for a Montessori teacher in Italy. Um, how would you like to move to Italy? and come be a Montessori teacher in Italy. I was like, whoa. <laughs> Ask and you shall receive. Really? <laughs> um, and I was like, well, how am I going to do that? I, I, I don't know. I've never taught before. All I know about Montessori is what I've been reading in these books and I've been fascinated, but I don't really know anything about it. Um, how am I going to up and move to Italy? And I don't know Italian. And, um, and they're like, you don't need to know any of that. Just come. Um, and so, um, you know, you get these, you've got, I had these images or people would be saying, oh man, that sounds so romantic, right? Like under the Tuscan sun. I mean, look, <laughs> think about how beautiful it could be. You know, you might meet your soulmate there. Um, eat, pray, love, right? Like you can, mm -hmm. you know, you just travel the world, find yourself. Is That would be just so awesome. I mean, Italy's just awesome. I mean, think about all the pasta you could eat. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so it just had this dreamy feeling. Um, I, I don't actually think, um, I don't even think I realized I was fearful per se. I was just analyzing the, um, the pros and the cons. And my boss at that point <clears throat> at, in my corporate job, um, I told her about the possibility and she just, she just looked at me and she said, you know, Amanda, when you, when you're on your deathbed or even, you know, five or 10 years from now, um, if you don't do this, you're going to be sitting there in the future saying, what if, what if you had done this? What if I had done that? Where would I be now? And she said, you know, the corporate world, the corporate ladder will always be here. Um, you should just go do it. And I was reading the other day, um, I think it's Nelson Mandela. It's a, I believe it's a, attributed to him, but just a quote of um, 
I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. And I don't think I even really realized I was fearful. Um, I just, I just went. <laughs> and um, yeah. And you, this, I started telling you the story because you asked me what I felt like when the chief of staff role came up um, and I didn't know what it was. And I really leaned into that experience in Italy, I think, um, of just, you know, doesn't matter if you don't know what it is, just go. Um, it sounds like a good ex experience with someone who, is very seems very knowledgeable um and just go for it man same thing there's so much there i mean <laughs> you started that by saying right like i was taking this chief of staff job i didn't know what to expect i was scared but i also i saw it as an adventure and mm -hmm. i'm all about adventure as you know like you don't have to walk across the country to find adventure in your life. Like that looks so different for different people. Yeah. And then, you know, you said that you just allowed yourself to start dreaming again, which gave me chills. And it feels like that other kind of inflection point in your life where mm -hmm. you had all the rationale, all the justification, all the reasons in the world to be like, you probably shouldn't go move to Italy for a job you don't know how to do or the language you don't know how to speak for something that you have no idea if it's even going to be what you want it to be. Yeah. Right. So to kind of like trust that, uh, and then you brought up like kind of fearlessness versus courage. Mm -hmm. And I want to highlight too, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, fearlessness, as you kind of point out is so different from like courage or bravery because courage is like, okay, there's fear here. And I overcome that. And that thing you just so beautifully shared, I think it was Nelson Mandela, mm -hmm. like fearlessness, I don't think is the goal. Like that's like, there's nothing to overcome. There's nothing to move through. You just do it because fear is not there, but you're talking about like, oh, I felt it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it was there. Maybe I didn't have the perfect language for it. Yeah. So I'm curious, like knowing that that inflection point where you're like, goodbye, corporate cargo net, I am headed to Italy. <laughs> How has that point changed kind of your future directory and where you've landed now? Yeah. Um, and that's a big, just like I gave you a big answer to your last question. That's a big question. Too. It is. <laughs> big question too. Um, so with the experience of moving to Italy, and as I said, you know, I was, I think I was nervous, whatever. And I did a lot of analysis of things. And then in the end was just like, okay, let's just go. Um, you know, I felt uh, when I got to Italy is when I think I realized the fear that I had. Um, the circumstances, you know, it was anything but under the Tuscan sun, beautiful sunshine, puppy dogs, and lots and lots of pizza. Um, it was hard. It was challenging. It was, um, you know, like I didn't know, I was in a small little town where no one really knew English. And if they did, they weren't going to talk to me in English. I didn't know Italian. Um, I was put into a classroom in this, in the school where 
Um, it was a Montessori classroom pre-K to kindergarten. So there were 26 two and a half year olds to five year olds that I was the lead teacher for. Um, I wasn't supposed to be the lead teacher. I was supposed to be there with, an, with a teacher. Um, I was the assistant teacher. Um, she knew Italian and English, and I would just know the English and just follow her lead, and, but speak only in English to the children so they could absorb English. Um, when I got there, I found out huh, I was going to be the lead teacher. And here I was not having had any teaching experience, um, had gone through kind of a crash course of how do you become a Montessori teacher, So, but really didn't know what the heck I was doing, uh, didn't speak the language. And here I am responsible for these little, little humans. Yeah. Keep them safe, uh, educate them, um, you know, and keep myself sane, right? And oh my gosh, like fear off the roof. <laughs> um, and it was at that point where I realized, okay, you know, after I took a few deep breaths, which took me a while to realize I needed to take a few deep, deep breaths, is when um, I think I learned how you have how to kind of walk through the fear we'll say walk towards and through the fear yes um and I started asking myself um what's the story I want to tell about how I handled these challenges what's the story I want to tell um thought a lot about that question and there it, I think I was I was um yeah. How, how do I want people to hear my story when I get back? Do I want to be telling the story about how I just completely gave up and ran home <laughs> or how I blossomed into being a Montessori teacher or even how I learned Italian or how I, you know, made just made connections with the children. Right. Um, and um, I just I decided that you know, this was going to be my story of moving to Italy. And it didn't have to be the eat, pray, love. And it didn't have to be the under the Tuscan sun, right? And that part of that was I had to be flexible and agile and realize why I had come there um, and maybe adjust, you know, why I had come there or adjust what I, my expectations of what it was going to be like, right? And make, um, uh, find, find the lesson, find the message in the mess, <laughs> you know, and, um, instead of ruminating how I got into this particular situation, um, to look at it objectively and think about, well, what's it teaching me? You know, how can I grow from it? Um, and I spent a lot of time, <laughs> on those three three things and I will say I struggled a lot with it but that brought the focus for me um to be able to to continue to proceed and to do the day by the day by day um yeah I'll, I'll stop there a little just because I think that was a huge a huge lesson to me of 
um, allowing myself to kind of lean into the situation that I was in, the, the challenge that I was in, and see how I could um, grow and, and move, move through it and come out the other side with a story to tell that is one that I wanted to tell. Um, I mean, that is so powerful. And I love that you brought up that when we do these things, it's not always puppies and pizza, right? Or pasta. Like, it's, it's, it's asking that question. And I love that question. I just actually wrote it down here to, to ask myself that too and look at it. And I'll invite everybody to think right now in this moment, real time, right? Like, what is the story I want to tell about what's currently happening in my life? Mm-hmm. If you let that single question probably drive the rest of your days on earth, like you'd create some cool stuff. Yeah. Um, but it, it's not always perfect. It's not always romanticized. It's not always this really easy, happy-go-lucky, like life is just so brilliant. There, there can be obstacles and challenges and each obstacle and challenge presents an opportunity to create a solution to it. Mm-hmm. And clearly you're sitting here now. And honestly, as you were even telling your story, like all of a sudden I'm now the lead teacher. I don't speak English. The kids, sorry, I don't speak Italian. The kids don't speak English. Like what is going on? Like I felt my body tensing of like putting myself in that place being like, how would I have handled that? Cause I could feel anxiety secondhand. Like what? years and years later just through your story Mm -hmm. so to know how powerful that was and you to come out the other side again like what did you learn from that Mm -hmm. other than these amazing questions of finding the lesson asking yourself about the story you want to learn but in a really tangible way like how has that impacted and driven your choices to land you where you are now like as an entrepreneur yep and I'll, I'll answer that too by just sort of the next piece of the evolution in there right was okay, now what's the story I want to tell? How can I be flexible and agile and realize that my expectations may have not been right? And how can I then rewrite this story, you know? Um, And what is it teaching me? Um, The next thing that that really has affected to where I am now and I continue to lean into a lot uh, is, okay, we is that sort of that myth right so i was thinking the myth there's the myth i think that we have or a a belief that we have um that i not i say we i but i think that this is a pretty common thing right is that um success will bring us happiness right that once I have a classroom that's organized, once I figure out how to speak Italian, once I um, get out of Italy, because this is horrendous, <laughs> right? I can be happy, right? But actually that's backwards. It's the, the happy, happiness is what brings success, right? And what I started realizing was that my purpose was to be happy. Um, And I had gone into this experience thinking, okay, that moving to Italy and living this enviable lifestyle was going to bring me, bring me happiness. Or like I said, once I get all these things figured out so that I could have that enviable lifestyle in Italy, then I would be happy. But really, actually, I needed to turn that around and be happy first 
And that was going to bring success. And that actually was going to be what helped me write the story that I wanted to tell about this experience. Um, and so in that part of it was I had been so during that time, I had been so concerned about how I was going to get through this, how I was going to make the parents happy because I'd actually educated their children or made the, the head of the school happy because I'd actually, she'd come in and my classroom was in a complete disaster with kids running around, right? And I was so focused and like, I have a perfectionist, um, you know, uh, perfectionism is is a quality that I, I know I have, that I always want things to be perfect, which is pretty easy to do in corporate America compared to a classroom full of children. Nurse. <laughs> right. And so I just was trying to control them so that I could be happy, right? Create the circumstances so I could be happy. And first thing I realized was perfection. This is actually a quote from Elizabeth Gilbert. And I don't know if I heard it when I was there um, or not, but I know I've heard it since. And it's been an aha of like perfection, perfectionism is fear in a fancy dress. And um, I realized I had a really fancy dress mm. <laughs> because I was trying to be perfect. Um, but really I needed instead to make this the story I wanted to make, I needed to first make happiness no matter how messy it was going to be to um, to put happy, my happiness as the first priority, that's what I needed to do to write the story that I wanted. So I stopped trying to make everything perfect and fit into the box that I wanted it to fit in in the classroom. I started traveling more, getting out more, seeing more of the, you know, of Italy that I wanted to see. And really digging deep and asking myself, you know, what I wanted um, to, to come of this and going in and, and uh, grabbing that. Um, that is something that I, I mean, there's many lessons that I, I lean into on the Italy with my experience in Italy. Um, but in every, um, every, every morning, actually, when I do my meditation, you know, this morning in, you know, included, um, my, um, I go back to that lesson of realizing that my, that life has to be lived from the inside out. And if you allow the external to be what's controlling, what's, <clears throat> what's going on with your emotions or, um, you know, how you, how you react to that thing you fear that's in the external, right? Um, that controls you and you really have, it's, it's living from that inside out. My, my purpose in life is to be happy. Um, I find happiness in adding value to people. So that's where the selflessness comes in, but I must be selfish and, and be very clear on putting my my happiness first, um, and that's really that's where my my courage and confidence is in going forward. And whether that was in going forward with the chief of staff role that I had no idea what it was, or in deciding to go off and build my own company, um, the beginning of this year. 
that's what I was leaning into. And as you guys can tell, Amanda is a huge advocate of never taking risks, never doing anything outside of your comfort zone and uh, staying miserable forever. (laughs) Right? Like it's so powerful to hear. And this is why I love these conversations because, you know, you're not telling anybody this is what you have to do, but the way that you've lived your life. And I mean, I'm guys, I'm sitting here talking with Amanda who again, got dressed for me this morning, which is a gift and she is glowing. There is something that she's doing that's working really well for her in her life. And the way she's living feels like a permission slip or an invitation to like try something similar. Um, You know, understanding if I had to highlight anything of what you shared, what really stood out to me, Amanda, was it's not about changing the external world, right? It's like, how can I take accountability for my happiness and create it internally? And that kind of then translates into the same environment right the same circumstances I'm in and learning that lesson is profound mm-hmm. right that's super super powerful and why we had connected so easily and so well the first time we had a conversation right of like oh would you like to come talk about that to, to more people <laughs> so you know hearing kind of your journey up until this point in time which is the present uh which has been amazing to to follow and learn through I'm curious for you, like, what are you working to now create? Like from this point forward, what's it look like for you? Mm -hmm. So what am I looking to create? Um, I, I mean, I just, I, I, my desire is to, uh, let me actually, let me back up just a teensy bit. Um, I actually started maybe a couple of years ago with this mantra that I would, you know, to myself when I was really working on my self-awareness, the lessons that I've told you about that I uh, gained from from my Italian adventure. And then Mm -hmm. since then, in many places, uh, when I came back to this idea that, you know, my happiness is the number one priority, that's my purpose and to live from the inside out. Feeling that feel that my happiness being the most important thing felt a little empty to me. In that, yeah, I want to be happy, but what makes me happy? And what made me happy became my mantra. And my mantra was that I am a person of value who values people and adds value to them. And that's become my mantra and that's what makes me happy. And I just, and any time where I'm losing my, feel like I've lost my direction or um, don't feel like I'm, I'm um, making an impact, I come back to that mantra of I am a person of value who values people and adds value to them. And at a very high level, that's what I'm trying, that's what I'm building now. That's my my life purpose, I believe, right? Um, and my, my desire is just to continue um, adding to my value <laughs> so that I can add that value to others. And my, and I, I am so passionate about leadership. Um, I believe that the world needs more leaders. Um, We all deserve to be led well. And um, leadership and being led well starts with leading yourself first. 
and the rest will follow. And, um, and so my, what I'm building now is just wanting to build leaders and helping people understand that it starts within you, um, how leading yourself um, and what that looks like to that, to each individual, and then how they can then share that with the world. Um, I think there's such a need for that in the world, um, the world in general, and then in, in each one of us. And the more that we can genuinely connect with that and connect together as leaders, I think we can, we can change the world. And, um, and just create the world of our dreams to create, you know, a better world for our, for our children, for our grandchildren, for us. Right. Um, and that's not a, maybe a specific answer to your question, but that's my, that's my big dream. <laughs> and that's amazing. Right? If you guys felt the passion coming out of Amanda's, like her energy shift when she was talking about it, you mm -hmm. can tell you're doing the, the, the thing that's right for you just because of how tangible that was to, to see and feel from you. Yeah. Um, and self-leadership as a precursor to, you know, leading others mm -hmm. feels huge. And honestly, I love having conversations with people who are like, yeah, my mission is to change the world. One person at a time. Here we go. I love that. I mean, my hope is that someone who's listened to this episode today has had that little moment of, you know, maybe like something simple, like an inkling from their intuition of, oh, like how, how can I tell my story better? Or what is the story that I want to tell myself because of this conversation that they had access to, right? That they were to listen and, and watch you modeling exactly what you do so beautifully, because I think there's a piece of integrity within business where, you know, nobody's going to take you seriously if, you know, pardon the French here, but like, if you were a shitty leader being like, come follow me, nobody wants that. Mm -hmm. But when you just exude this sense of, no, I know who I am. You said like, I have this mantra, which is such a beautiful, I am statement. And if people have been following the podcast, when I connected with Daryl Sweeney, he shared who he was with the world, his guidepost that he goes back to with that same power. And it's that theme of when you know who you are, it doesn't matter what's happening around you. You get to keep kind of creating and moving forward, which is, again, just beautiful. Uh, and as we're kind of talking about, again, future and what's what's next and what you're creating, yep. you know what's coming, right? There's an opportunity to yeah. ask and to receive help from people who are listening, to connect people from all over and say, how can we support each other? So- mm -hmm. If you have an ask for my audience, I'd love for you to toss it out and, and share how they might be able to help. Yeah, no, thank you so much. And um, so appreciate this and so appreciate it. I, I'm, you know, as I'm going on, continuing on this adventure, right? And building my own company um, and building my own community, right? I think the simplest ask that I can put out there is to um, join, you know, help join my community, right? And there's a, several ways that people can reach out and join, um, join my community. I have a Facebook group. I'm on Instagram. We can, I can, however <laughs> we want to put that out there. You can just search Amanda Burton, Amanda P. Burton, um, and join, join my community. Um, I have an online community. I'm also realizing that, we're all craving and desiring um, genuine in-person 
um, connection as well to augment all of this online stuff we've been doing um, for the last few years. And so I um, am starting a, a monthly um, uh, let's do lunch series, basically, where we'll have lunch at different places around in the Boston area. So would love to include any any of your listeners and yourself if you would like to join in on that. Um, and then I just love connecting with people, right? As I'm um, going through this, this journey. So anyone, whether you're a coach, whether you're, you know, a, a you know, a manager or a director in the corporate, in the corporate environment, right? Like there's a lot of goodness in the corporate and there's the corporate ladder is not all bad. <laughs> yeah. Cargo nets so, are fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I would love to connect with anyone who either wants support or wants to, you know, just, just chat about things. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think it's the connection that I'm going to put out there as an ask for people. You know, of course, I have a program that I've developed for, you know, a next level leadership program and anybody who's interested in that. I'd love to invite them into that and would give if they mentioned the podcast, I'd give, you know, a discount into that as well. But connection is my biggest my biggest ask um, just to connect which does not shock me at all, given Amanda and I met when I was also just like, hey, I'm just looking to connect with, you know, like-minded people who are building, creating cool things and her hand shot into the air faster than, you know, anybody. And here we are <laughs> a couple months later having yeah. a, another conversation that's now recorded for you to have access to. So I will make sure that information is in the notes of people being able to connect with you. And I'll also just toss to people too, right? That in between Amanda's ask was this other possibility and invitation of just to be a stronger self-leader for you, right? Like whether you connect with Amanda or not to, to step more fully into who you are and to, to do that from a place of just service for yourself, because that actually serves more people powerfully is just so, so amazing. So Amanda, thank you for your time today. Is there anything else that you want to, to wrap up with that feels important for you to share? I think you just wrapped it up beautifully in that, yes, if, if anything comes up today, um, I do hope that it, it sparks, sparks a thought or an inkling or a desire, or just even that looking inward um, to the leadership identity, the leadership capabilities that we all have. And you don't need other people to lead. You lead yourself first. And then guess what? You'll have other people that come to you to be led. So. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. And self-leadership's massive. If people have, well, it's fast to set there too, right? If anybody listened and had an insight they want to share, I mean, you can shoot it over to, to me at walkingtowardsfear at gmail.com and I can share that with Amanda, right? It's infrequent, I think, especially in podcasting where you get kind of real-time feedback on like, hey, I loved listening to that episode. I mean, I know I've had tons of insights from various things I've listened to and I've never shared them with the, you know, the creators of that thing. So I'll just toss that out there. I was like, I can pass over to Amanda how her story has made ripples and impacts in the world. That would be amazing. So we'll kind of wrap it with that. But Amanda, thank you for your time. It's been awesome learning from you. And now I'm curious again, where I can tell my story more powerfully. And that's a gift to me with, with your time. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you. All right, everyone, keep walking towards fear. All right, it is Christina from the future. So I just had this amazing conversation and I want to paint a quick picture for you of who Amanda is before we hop in to this conversation. 
Amanda is such a warm and inviting person. I think it's why we connected so easily and so well the very first time. And it comes through really clearly in this conversation. She's a risk taker. She's an explorer. And she's someone that in my eyes, I see Amanda as someone who will never stop growing. Growth is inevitable for her. And because of that, I'm excited to see where else it takes her in her life and stay connected with her. So I hope you take the time to focus, listen, and hear everything Amanda's sharing and how it can be applied to your own life. Enjoy the episode. Change starts and stops with a WTF moment. The first is, what the fuck am I doing? We finally wake up to the reality that our life is not what we want it to be. The denial is done. We have to ask ourselves the hard questions. If we never have that moment, nothing changes. The next WTF is walking towards fear. If you aren't willing to find your growth edges and take steps in a new and likely scary direction, again, nothing changes. This podcast is a space to explore open and honest conversations around creating change in our personal worlds, which honestly has become my favorite adventure yet. Thanks for following along.